It is time for the MMA DFS Strategy Show right here at Awesomeo.com. That is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. I am Jason Floyd. Happy Veterans Day to everyone out there. We are here to break down UFC Vegas number 14. But uh, Pete, you know, before we get, get into that, we got to talk about last week a little bit. Uh, your boy Romanov comes through. Uh, we had uh, uh, Brahima. Uh, unfortunately, he had to uh, make a trip to the hospital to get that ear reattached. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously a, a, a solid weekend. Clover Teixeira goes out there as an underdog. And uh, you know, the first thing I wrote about in, in, a, in a recap here is I say, favorites 29-4 and four in the last 33 UFC fights. Crazy, right? Crazy stat. Um, I do remember a period of time where we were going through underdogs hitting like crazy in early quarantine. And uh, seems like we've kind of turned the ties a little bit. And, uh, you know, the, the heavy favorites have been killing it lately. Um, and that leads us to today, Jason, where we're going to talk about this card. And I feel like the underdogs this week, I don't know. I have a feeling that a lot of, a lot of stuff is mispriced. Maybe Vegas got some stuff wrong or maybe I'm just crazy, but there are a ton, there's a ton of value this week. Like there are some weeks where you look at the value options. You're like, Oh my God, this is pitiful. This week is not one of them. I'm actually pretty excited about this card, even though it's a, it's not the best card. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, look. I think the uh, the the uh, odds makers are trying to figure out a way to get uh, you know more value on this car. I, I think there, there's no question in my mind about that. So you know, we'll see. We'll break this one down for you. But one of the things I, I do want to mention, and and it's kind of twofold. You know, we always talk about on the FanDuel side of things of you have to look at the fighters who have the ability to stop the takedown. And it can rack up points that way. And we saw that last week where, especially right now, we're in this kind of era where we're getting a ton of stop, a ton of favorites winning. you got to find those underdogs that maybe can get you 40 points, maybe can get you 45, maybe 50 points just because they're able to stop a ton, ton of takedowns. We saw that, you know, with Elkins having, you know, 14 of his takedowns get defended. You were able to rack up some points, but also kind of made me think of, come on, DraftKings. Can we not get some points for takedown defenses? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to argue it because I'm not accustomed to that scoring, but I know that you're a FanDuel guy, and, uh, you know, that's kind of your bread and butter over there is finding those value plays. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I, I do think that awarding defensive statistics is is definitely interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, that's why FanDuel is, is a different type of dynamic. And uh, there's always guys that in losses will actually perform quite well. Yeah, it's it's something that you got to pay attention to. And, you know, and obviously I know, you know, I mean, look, it's I, I just I, I was thinking about the other day just saying, like, if I am like as a DFS player, if I'm getting points for the ability to take down a fight, how am I not getting points to stop a takedown? Yeah, well, I mean, that, that it's it's all good points. Definitely all good points. Um you know, we'll have to see. I, I definitely think before they add that, they need to change the significant strikes, the total strikes, and then we'll be happy. Oh, uh, yes. I, I think we're we're all in favor of that. Uh, 
you know, because, I mean, look, it's, uh, man, unfortunately, sometimes if you get a fire that takes a fight to the ground, that, that's going to, you know, hurt you in, in terms of that. And, and we're always looking forward to that. So there is a fight on this card that I look at from a FanDuel perspective where I think you have to look at a fire, potentially some takedown defenses. But we'll talk about that as we do go on. Of course, uh, be sure to uh, like and subscribe to Osmo right here. If you're watching this on YouTube, maybe it's after the fact you're watching it. Be, her, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. Hit that notification bell so we know a new show is coming up. Uh, of course, coming up tonight, right after us, will be the PGA show. They'll get you ready to help you build those lineups for the Masters contest. Coming up this week, we're going to let you know about a promo that we got going on over at Osmo.com as we do go on. But, Pete, let's, let's get right into this. The main event, Paul Felder versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Of course, initially, it was going to be Islam Makachev in this spot against Rafael Dos Anjos, and uh, he was going to be a ma- he was a massive favorite. He was approaching a 6-1 to one betting favorite in this fight. Uh, he was going to probably be 94, 9,500 on DK. He was ultimately the reason that I was going to be tuning into this fight card, but he's off this fight card. And, uh, you know, Dos Anjos, the betting favorite in this one, minus 190. Paul Felder, he is plus 165 over on DraftKings, 8,800 for Rafael Dos Anjos, 7,400 for Felder. And then over on FanDuel, $21 for Dos Anjos, $18 for Paul Felder. And uh, one of the prop bets I love to mention on the show, fight goes the distance prop, minus 175. Break it down for us, Pete. Yeah, man, five round fight. I'm excited. Uh, you know, let's say Paul Felder is such a gangster taking this fight on six days notice against Rafael dos Anjos, who was scheduled to face uh, Islam Mahachev. And, uh, you know, you mentioned I was very, very excited to watch Islam Mahachev and see how he performed. Uh, you're talking about a prospect under Habib's wing. Unfortunately, he's not on the card. Uh, Rafael dos Anjos was definitely going to be a name that Islam was going to uh, add to his resume, at, you know, you know, as he climbs to the top of the division, I would imagine. Um, Dos Anjos, though, with this, you know, late replacement in Paul Felder, he's definitely more appealing in this matchup. And the reason he's more appealing is because, um, you know, he has a significant grappling edge. But let's be real. Rafael Dos Anjos has bounced around from 155 pounds to 170 pounds. This fight is back at 155 pounds. And um, he's not the same Rafael Dos Anjos RDA that we're accustomed to seeing. And that's just the truth. I don't know what happened. Could be some losses and, uh, you know, his confidence was shattered a bit, but he started to fall in love with his hands. And in a matchup like this, if he falls in love with his hands too much and just agrees to strike against Paul Felder, you know, you're basically giving Paul Felder a window of an opportunity of getting victory. So uh, shout out to Paul Felder. Paul Felder is, he was one of my roommates out, you know, in New Mexico. I mention it every time I'm going to be rooting heavy for him. Um, You know, he's not just any normal guy taking a fight on six days notice. The guy has been training for, you know, uh, a triathlon. He's been biking, running, swimming every single day for a triathlon in 2021. So the guy says he's in incredible shape and possibly the best shape of his life. Um, you have a well-rounded mixed martial artist in Rafael Dos Anjos and a Muay Thai striker in Paul Felder. Who implements their game plan? Five-round fight. Definitely think you need to roster it. I will be rooting heavy and hard for Paul Felder. My heart says Felder. My head does tell me that Rafael Dos Anjos gets to the takedowns and uh, starts to control and dictate the pace of the fight. So, unfortunately, you know, for for DFS, I will be fade. I, I will be favoring Rafael slightly. Here's the the one thing to mention about this one. So, Paul Felder was supposed to work on the desk for ESPN. Yeah. This one, so you know, 
he was scouting Rafael Dos Anjos just to prepare himself for how to break the fight down against Islam. Because obviously, heading into it, the storyline was going to be, how does Dos, Dos Anjos upset the rising Makachev? I mean, look, there yeah. is not a ton of fighters in the top 15 that were exactly all ready to go to sign up to fight Islam Makachev. We, we both know that. Yeah. So I, I think that's a part of it. I do feel that, you know, we, we talked about last week on the show, and obviously Glover ended up being optimal because of his price point on both platforms. But I, I think that this is a week where I think it's really hard to avoid the main event just because I think this thing's going 25 minutes. And just like what you mentioned, if Dos Anjos goes the takedown route, he might rack up some points. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some appealing matchups. But the way that if Paul Felder wins this fight, he's most likely getting a stoppage. I mean, mm-hmm. if he outpoints Rafael Dos Anjos for 25 minutes, I, it would be hard to imagine him not outproducing his salary, outperforming his salary. Um, Rafael Dos Anjos at 8,800, the way he should win is via takedowns and a lot of ground control advances and working towards a finish. Um, he, he definitely has potential to outperform his salary at 8,800. He's priced appropriately in this matchup, to be honest. But, uh, you know, you bring up a great, you know, a great point in that Paul Felder has been scouting Rafael Dos Anjos and every single fighter on this card, you know, similar to how we do it when we do our preview shows. Um, I do think that becoming a coach, he's not a coach, but this is, this is kind of similar and I can relate to it a little bit. When I became a coach and I started breaking down fight film a lot, I felt like I learned so much more from the sidelines as well. And trying to teach my guys to do certain things, I definitely feel like it made me level up in a sense. And I do think that breaking fights down and being, you know, uh, you know, just being thorough with this whole research and, and finding tendencies and everything, I do think that you can get an edge in a fight. I really do. Um, and I think that's an interesting point to bring up in Paul Felder's uh, case. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how how this one does play out. But uh, let's move on to the co-main event. Of course, if you have any questions, do uh, line those up in YouTube chat or in our premium Slack account. As we do this show live, I do know apparently there is an issue YouTube down, but I, I do see it here on my screen, so I know it's up. But uh, for our premium subscribers, hit hit a message there in uh, in our premium Slack account. I will get to those questions as we do go on. But the co-main event, uh, I, I think this is a, this is. A, a GPP fight all the way of Abdul Razik Al Hassan minus two thirty taking on Chaos Williams, who is plus one ninety on the betting lines over on DK ninety one hundred for Al Hassan seventy one hundred for Williams, and then over on FanDuel twenty two dollars for Al Hassan eight dollars for Williams, and fight goes to the distance plus four twenty. So that tells you exactly how the the bookmakers see this one. Um, you know, I, I think, and I'll give you my kind of thoughts on, on where I see this fight is if you want to be an Al Hassan backer, your thought has got to be first round stoppage. If this fight gets out of the first round and chaos Williams can survive that early onslaught, man, you like chaos Williams more and more in this fight, but it is going to be, he has to weather that early storm that you know is coming from Al Hassan. Yeah. I mean, Williams had an incredible performance in his UFC debut of knocking out, uh, uh, Morono and he looked great in doing so. And in his career, he has a 60% finish rate coming in at 10 and one. Al Hassan is a finisher, man, hundred percent finish rate. He's 10 and two overall. Um, you know, you know, his previous fight, uh, when he fought Mun- uh, Munir Lazez, he, uh, he was kind of just 
he was picked apart in a sense. And that's, that's a perfect situation where a brawler um, fights a technician. And Munir Lazez was a technician and was super, super technical, picked him apart from a strategic and, uh, you know, technique sort of aspect. Um, I do view this as two, two, you know, heavy handed strikers and brawlers going at it. Um, Al Hassan has an extensive judo background as well that he can always rely on. Just doesn't go to that well. I wish that he did. Started to become a little bit more well-rounded. Um, it's an addiction when you start knocking people out and you start falling in love with your hands. You see it happen to grapplers all over. You know, they, they, they touch somebody on the chin and they hurt them. And now next thing you know, they're a striker. Um, Al Hassan, though, is a credentialed striker. I like him quite a bit in this matchup. Of the underdogs, I think Williams will be very, very popular because of what he brings to the table and how Al Hassan kind of underperformed in his previous fight. I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, relative though. I, I really don't because I think uh, Williams' style against Al Hassan, um, you know, it's like gas in a match. But I think that Al Hassan will be superior in a stylistic fight like that rather than fight, fight, uh, fighting a guy that's super super technical like Munir Lazes. So. For me, it's Al Hassan at 9,100. Of the 9K options, he's one of my favorite, to be honest. Are you like me and scared if Hassan does get in the first round and becomes trouble? Uh, well, definitely we have noticed that he does tend to struggle in the cardio department as the fight goes on. Um, the way that this fight looks, though, as long as he doesn't gas out, you could look at multiple. I don't know. We really don't know the strategy. I mean, maybe he needs to reevaluate, and he's 4-2 and two in the UFC, and you know, he's got good coaching staff behind him. Maybe we're like, hey, let's show off all our skills now. Because guess what? The most important thing after suffering a loss is getting a W. And maybe we need to get a W at all costs. Uh, our opponent's going to think that we're going to be out there just swinging and, you know, going crazy. But maybe we're going to be a little bit more technical here and, and mixing judo. Yeah, it's something to uh, to pay attention to there, of course. So before we move on this fight card, do want to let you know about a promo that we got going on right now over at awesomeo.com. Of course, uh, coming up after us is the PGA show with Ben, Jason, and Alex as they'll get you ready to uh, help you put your lineups together for the Masters, which, of course, uh, the final major of the weekend, and get 50% off an Awesome Plus Platinum Weekly Pass when you use the promo code Augusta at checkout. This is valid through Friday, November the 13th, so two days from now, is when this promo does expire. Get 50% off when you use a promo code Augusta for an also plus platinum weekly pass that gets you everything and uh, that you need to get you ready for not just the PGA, get you ready for the UFC, get you ready for the NFL coming up this weekend. So be sure to take advantage of that deal right now, an awesome deal that we got going on over at awesomeo.com. Next up, we got Julian Marquez finally back in the octagon over two plus years away. Taking on Safarov here. He is a minus 280 betting favorite. Safarov plus 240 over on DraftKings. Marquez, 9,400. He's $23 on FanDuel. And then on Safarov, 6,800 on DK, $8 on FanDuel. And fight goes a distance, plus 240. 9,400 for Julian Marquez on DraftKings. Is that too pricey? Holy moly. What the heck are they doing with the pricing? Uh, 9,400 for Marquez in his return bout, 100% finish rate coming in at 7-2. I think it's more of a, a fading Safarov type of salary where they're just pricing up his opponent, thinking that Safarov stinks. Uh, Safarov comes in at 93 overall, 89% finish rate. Um, the guy hasn't looked the best in the UFC, to be honest. He's extremely aggressive. 
Um, he's very, very hittable. He dives for your legs for takedowns. Um, very, very strong guy, combat Sambo champion. Um, Marquez, you know, he's been working a lot, you know, with Kraus and everything. They, you know, he's really, really talented. Like he looks like he has some good hands, um, has some big wins, even on the contender series over Philip Hawes. And we've seen what Phil Hawes has really turned into in the UFC. It's like, oh my goodness. Um, he's very talented and he's good. The, the one thing that I would say is his takedown defense sometimes is a, is a little inconsistent. And Safrov is going to be looking to take him down. He's going to be throwing bombs, get him to bring his hands up and shooting takedowns. So 6,800. I think he's like a, um, I don't even know the word for it. I was going to say a sprinkle, but I don't want you guys sprinkling too much. Um, I think that it's like a, maybe a one lineup type of player in Safrov because he shouldn't win this fight. Marquez is definitely the better fighter, better overall fighter. But in this division, you're talking about 185 pounds and up. One shot can make a difference in the matchup. Marquez is the cleaner striker, cleaner, you know, wrestler, cleaner, overall mixed martial artist. Safarov is extremely reckless, but needs a win here, Jason. He's one and three in the UFC. So when your back's against the wall, sometimes you see people outperform their abilities. Um, it's Marquez though, for me, it really is. I just can't really get behind that 9,400 price tag. Let me ask you, do you believe Safarov's only 34 years old? I don't know. He's the oldest 34 year old man I've ever seen. He's like, it's weird. Uh, he's like a vampire. I don't know. He's like, man, I, I look at that guy and I'm like, okay, he's 45 years old. Yeah. He does not look 34 years old. Yeah. No. I look way younger than him. I would agree with that. <laughs> I'm older than 34 years old. I wish I was still 34, man. I, I wish I, I, mean, I would agree uh, with that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think it's take Marquez. You know, it's a pricey option. I mean, but you know, we'll talk about all these nine thousand options as we go on. But like, you know, I would much rather pay ninety four hundred for Marquez than nine thousand for Dontel Mace. Oh God, yeah. I mean, what are they thinking this week? I mean, either I'm crazy, or I I don't know. It's just I looked at this card. And yeah, I checked the salaries last, and then I'm like, what the heck? None of this makes any sense. But, you know, Safarov, he is one in three in his, you know, in the UFC. Um, I just don't really know if he's on Marquez's level, but anybody can get lucky in, in Atlanta shop. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, next up, we got our uh, first female matchup that will be on the main card. That's Kay Hansen. She's minus 220, taking on Corey McKenna, who's plus 180, 9,200. For Hanson on DK, $21 on FanDuel. Then McKenna, she's 7000 on DK, $9 on FanDuel. And this is minus 265 to go the distance. As, uh, this is actually, in terms of the female fights, has the uh, best odds in terms of not going the distance. So uh, uh, I, I kind of, I lean Kay Hanson in this one. Another situation where the price is extremely high. And, uh, you know, you talk about two 21-year-old female fighters. So, you know, in the 115-pound division, I'm very excited for both of them and, you know, and to see them develop. Um, Kay Hansen comes in with a great victory in her debut. Um, she scored 76.5 DraftKings points, 86% finish rate overall. Her bread and butter is going to the takedowns and working towards a submission. We saw that last time in her uh, armbar victory over Jin Yu Fry. Um, I will say that Corey McKenna is better than what her record appears in the competition that she's fought. Like she hasn't really fought the best competition. McKenna's five and one 
And the, the one thing that I'll bring up if people don't realize is McKenna will probably have the striking advantage in this situation. Um, you know, decent hands, shoddy takedown defense, and that could be an issue here going up against Kay Hansen. Um, she seems to be, you know, decent on the ground about, a, I think she's a purple belt in jujitsu. Um, but Kay Hansen has that 10th planet style where it's all tricky submissions, you know, and I'm surprised that she has good takedowns, um, but she does. The one thing I will say, though, that I saw on Instagram and it kind of makes me a little hesitant about Kay Hansen is McKenna's best friend and who she's been training with consistently, Sarah McMahon. Mm -hmm. And she's been training a lot with Sarah McMahon and everybody over at Team Alpha Male. Let me tell you, if you're training with Sarah McMahon, your takedown defense is going to get better because that girl can wrestle. She can wrestle. And if McKenna keeps the fight on the feet, I think she wins. I really do. So I will actually be sprinkling in some McKenna and kind of being a little bit underweight on Kay Hansen, I think people are going to see that, you know, that bad takedown defense that McKenna has shown in the past, and they're going to smash Hansen. So we'll have to see. It's it's a pricey number that you got to pay for. There, there's yeah. no question about it. I mean, the night, you know, I mean, on both platforms, 9200, 21. Um, you know, my, my fear is that just like how the odds makers see this, they see this fight going 15 minutes. It, it, you know, can can k score enough if in a decision victory that's always kind of the concern that you have with but maybe it's a it's a you know maybe she just takes this fight down has no problems yeah i mean she could i i mean if she didn't get that finish from virginia fry her output wasn't looking the best and it wasn't really looking like she was going to smash and be in part of an optimal um but she she got the finish she did but uh i think at 9200 she really has to perform even at a better standard and uh I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Next up, we got uh, Eric Anders minus one thirty taking on Antonio Arroyo, who's plus one ten eighty five hundred for Anders on DK seventeen dollars on Fanduel on the other side. Arroyo seventy seven hundred on DK fifteen dollars on Fanduel, and this fight is minus one forty to go the distance. Uh, I, I do like Anders in this spot, uh, but uh, you know, I, I totally understand. You know, there may be a lot of people that feel like they've been burned by Eric Anders, you know, most recently and. Maybe they're a little nervous to take him here. Yeah, I mean, we've been bur- I've been burned for both guys. Um, Anders is definitely not the most appealing play on the card at all, but he's perfect. And the reason he's perfect is because I can almost count on him getting rid of a Royal as being a, a punt play for me because he should win that fight. Uh, Anders should win the fight. And I don't think that he's really going to perform and excel his salary at 8,500. I think it's just a simple cross off for me. I can cross that whole fight off. If you were interested in the fight because you wanted to do it from a leverage perspective, I think that, you know, Anders is, is, is a decent play and, you know, he has good, he's overall, you know, good striker, good grappler, probably a better grappler than he is a striker. And people just don't really understand that. Um, you know, the guy can really take you down and put you in bad positions. Uh, 13 and five overall five and five in the UFC, but that is uh, nine more UFC fights than Antonio Arroyo. I like Anders here, and uh, I just think he's the better fighter. Arroyo throws heavy, heavy, heavy kicks, and that's kind of all he's got. Extremely aggressive striker, can always land one body kick. But for me, outside of a, a GPP dart throw, I think it's Anders is the play. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you when I've talked to Eric Anders, kind of because when I initially started to speak with Eric Anders was when he was an amateur fighter. Yeah. And he was, I knew about him you know, on the jiu-jitsu scene. And he was uh-huh. in competitions, and 
I, I don't know if it was the last time or maybe the previous time I talked to him. And, and I said, I was like, you know, that's how I learned about you was jujitsu. But we have just seen that you really haven't shown off jujitsu for the most part in your actual MMA fights. And he basically just said, he's like, man, I, I get on top of somebody and I'm going to pound you with my fist. I mean, that yeah. that's the way he, he looks at it. So, um, you know, to me, I do, I do think it's Eric Anders getting the fight to the ground, using his top control, using punches, potentially get that finish. And, uh, you know, at 8,500, I like the price. I, I like it on, on FanDuel as well. He might be a sneaky captain for me on FanDuel. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think that Anders is the play, though. I really do. For me, it's Anders and move on. Um, if he goes to the takedowns, uh, his opponent, Arroyo, has a 44% takedown defensive rating. Not the best. And the eye test, he doesn't really show me too much too much knowledge in the grappling department. I know he's getting better and he's evolving every day, making adjustments in camp and everything. But I do think that Anders is levels above and, uh, you know, gets this done. Next up, we got a matchup that was added to the card this week. That is Sean Strickland versus Brennan Allen. Brennan Allen, minus 115. Sean Strickland, minus 105. 7,900 for Strickland. 8,300, or excuse me, 7,900 for Allen. 8,300 for Strickland. We have no pricing on FanDuel. The fight to go the distance, minus 165. Of course, uh, Brennan Allen was supposed to fight last week against Ian Heinish. However, uh, due to COVID issue with Ian Heinish, fight did not happen. Brennan Allen gets this matchup. I believe it's going to be at a contract weight of 195 pounds. And, you know, Pete, we were talking about this fight before we started the show. And you, and you said to me, like, man, who are you picking? And I'm just like, if you tell me this fight goes to the ground, okay, I like Brennan Allen. I just don't know if I see a path to Brennan Allen winning this fight if he if this is a 15-minute stand-up battle. Yeah, I would agree. And I do think that, you know, we have seen Strickland in the cage and he looked pretty good against Marshman his return to the cage. Granted, that was Marshman. This is a huge step up in competition against Brennan Allen, uh, in my opinion. But Strickland is no stranger to fighting good opponents. And he's 8-3 and three in the UFC, 21-3 and three overall. Quite the impressive record, to be honest. Um, I do think that Allen is on the rise and it, it blows my mind that he's only 24 years old, comes in with an 87% finish rate. 15 and three. I mean, the, the kid is super talented and he has a huge win over Kevin Holland and that eight, that win has really aged well. And, uh, you know, when he takes people down, he's just so relentless with pressure and ground and pound and chaining together submission attempts. However, I do think that, uh, Strickland is a very strong guy has the striking advantage in this department. Um, will probably force Allen to stand up and make him uncomfortable in certain situations. He'll throw with higher volume, uh, 4.64 strikes per minute. Um, compared to 2.6 for Allen, I think Strickland is priced awesome. I love him here at 8,300. Um, I think Allen's going to be one of the most popular punt plays out there because obviously he offers one of the most, the highest upsides of the 7K options. It's just, you know, it's just the fact, just like Chaos Williams coming in at, you know, uh, he scored 105 DraftKings points and he's going to be 7,100 on the DraftKings platform. He's going to be popular. Um, I do think that Allen you know, he's going to present some problems, but I do think that Strickland is, uh, you know, well-schooled enough. And especially with an 81% takedown defensive rating, I think he gets it done. I think, I think it's Strickland's fight. Yeah. And also Sean Strickland could be a really good play on FanDuel because yeah. you know, Brennan Allen is going to want to get this fight to the ground. You know, I talked about that earlier on in the show, 
of well, you got to look at fighters that you believe are going to potentially stop takedowns because that is a way to rack up points on FanDuel. I would love to see that scoring come to DraftKings. Come on, DraftKings. Come on. I don't ask for much. I, I'm just asking for two things out of DraftKings. I want points for takedown defenses. Let's eliminate significant strikes. You get points for total strikes. I'm cool with the total strikes. Like, uh, like, look, I'm even cool. We can make it less points for total strikes. I'm cool with that. I'm cool yeah. with that. Because then give me a dude who just takes a fight to the ground and just wails on his opponent for 15 minutes. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, they are making, they're going to work towards some changes in the scoring system. I think that MMA DFS has become one of the most popular, you know, DFS sports out there, especially during quarantine because of, you know, fights. And for a period of time, MMA was the only sport going on. We were literally in the limelight for quite some time. And it has really translated to a lot of fans and a lot of people tuning into even our show and, you know, Osmo DFS, just everything. So uh, very grateful for the UFC to doing this during quarantine and, uh, you know, I'm excited for this card. Just a lot of fight cards. It's a fight card every yeah. week to break down, man. Yeah. Uh, let's let's move on with the card. Then we've got uh, Ashley Yoder taking on Miranda Granger. Ashley Yoder plus one thirty. Granger is minus one fifty. Uh, this is Pete's favorite fight of the weekend. Eighty two hundred, eight thousand, eighty two hundred for Granger, eight thousand for Yoder. They are both sixteen dollars on FanDuel, and fight goes a distance minus three hundred. This is another fight especially on FanDuel, you got to be potentially looking at because I expect Ashley Yoder to be constantly going for takedowns. I think you got I think you got to look at Ashley Yoder on DraftKings because of that. She is going to be relentless with those takedowns, so I think that's someone to look at here. But I, I think it also it can be buyer beware because the likelihood is this will go 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not too confused this week. I, I think that I have uh, a pretty firm grip on the 8,200, 8,000 fight. And I like Ashley Yoder quite a bit. I really do. Um, I don't think that Granger is all that good. I don't think that either one of them are all that good, but I do think that Yoder is a step ahead and, uh, you know, two and five in the UFC, but what that tells me is she has seven, you know, seven UFC fights and that's a lot of experience. Um, a lot of experience coming up against Granger, who you know only has two UFC fights. She's one and one in the UFC. Um, you know, and, and you take into account all of Yoder's experience. Um, she can strike. She can take you down. Um, she's not one dimensional, as whereas Granger's pretty one dimensional as just a striker. I think that Yoder can do enough, even on the feet. Um, and if things get a little crazy, take her down to where it's a little safer. Um, I will say that. You know, Granger does throw up some Hail Mary submissions, uh, 86% finish rate. I don't foresee Yoder getting caught with anything like that, but in women's MMA, we really don't know what to expect. I think that Yoder is a great play. Like, I really do. I think that she's going to be a part of my lineups. Um, It's a close fight. It really is. But based on her $200 savings and the path to victory, sign me up for Yoder. Let's look at Ashley Yoder's UFC resume. This is her losses. Tell yeah. me the worst fighter. It's pretty easy. Liviana Souza, she just lost to. Mm-hmm. Ronda Marcos, Mackenzie Dern, Angela Hill, Justine Kish. Okay, the easy answer is Justine Kish. Yeah, yeah, that's who's it. Who's the, but, okay, who, if you take Justine Kish out of there, who's the next uh, lowest fighter uh, on her resume? I'd probably say Marcos. It's close, though. Now, and, and, but of course, then you look at her wins in the UFC. 
Amanda Cooper and, and Suri Kondo. So, I mean, it's she, you know, when you look at when she's lost to, we're talking about the, you know, top 115 pound fighter. So I think that's something to play into there. But uh, this is one of those fights that you got to really pay attention to the takedown aspect here. And uh, I just think Ashley Oda, that's what she's going to be going for throughout the fight. Let's move on to the next fight. We got Alex Morono, minus 190, taking on Rise McKee, minus Oost, plus 165. A900 for Morono on DK, 7300 for McKee, and then $19 for Morono on FanDuel. Eleven dollars for McKee, and this is minus one twenty to go the distance. Man, uh, Reese McKee coming in um, finally gets to showcase himself, and uh, you might know him for taking a, a short notice fight against Hamzat Shemaev and getting absolutely destroyed. And in a way, I feel I feel a little bad because he was doing, you know, it's his opportunity to get into the UFC, and he was kind of like a sacrificial lamb, you know, sort of, and uh, went in there and. Immediately, Hamzat Shemaev wrapped him up, grabbed the body lock takedown, took him down, and just beat on him and worked towards a finish. And it was possibly the most one-sided fight ever. I don't, I don't even believe he landed the strike in that in that match. Um, yeah, he did not. So that is quite crazy. He didn't land a single strike. Um, I will say that this is a different matchup. And Reese McKee outside the UFC, you know, he had a little buzz. Good striker, very, very good striker. Um, on the regional scene, a lot of people would say that he doesn't have the best takedown defense or ground game, but he has been working extensively at rounding out his game, and uh, he just is better in the in the striking department. Now, I will say that Morono comes from a great camp, has suffered some defeat in the UFC. Um, he's six and three in the UFC and has some decent wins, but man, when he just got knocked out by chaos Williams. Chaos Williams went through him in 27 seconds. So you have to see how his head is, how, you know, his mindset is that was back in February, you know, a decent amount of time off. So I, I like how he took some time off and that's probably because he has such a good coach, but in a matchup like this, where he is going to have a significant reach disadvantage, a six inch reach disadvantage. If it's on the feet, I really like McKee. And I know Morono has that black belt in Taekwondo and black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that he can rely on. The guy, he hasn't landed the takedown in the UFC. So he's not going to be looking towards taking people down unless this knockout loss has really woken him up and said, guess what? I need easy Ws. Taking my guys down, I'm going the safe approach. I'm actually sprinkling in Reese McKee here. Like Morono's not not nearly on, on my love list at all. Um, He's a liability for sure. And I think that McKee can work towards a, a stoppage. He throws at high volume. He's going to be a really long rangey guy. I'm a long rangey guy. So I'm going to side with Reese McKee in this matchup. Yeah. It's uh and Morono burned a lot of people last time out as a four to one betting favorite in that one. So as DFS players, we do tend to remember that a lot when uh, a big favorite does, uh, does burn us, but uh do want to let you know about the free premium content we have over at awesomeo.com. UFC Pro Plays is free, so check that out. Also, free today, PGA Pro Plays and the Awesomeo NFL DFS Big Board. Of course, speaking of PGA, that is uh, the show that's coming up right after us as they'll get you ready for the start of the Masters, which is tomorrow. Next up, we got a matchup between Jose Quinones and Luis Smoka. Uh, Lee Smoka, minus 135 betting favorite, 115, plus 115 for Quinones. 8,400 for Smoka on DK, 7,800 for Quinones. 
And then over on FanDuel, 17 for Smolka, 15 for Quinones, and minus 145. Why do I feel like this is a fight we have to look at GPP-wise? Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, it's their salaries. Nobody's overpriced. Um, they're kind of right in the middle. And I think that the matchup and what's at stake here, I mean, Smolka was good in the UFC, you know, dropped some fights, you know, was booted from the UFC, comes back, has a little, you know, a little buzz about him, finally gets some victories, and then uh, loses to Casey Kenny. And Casey Kenny, he's a buzzsaw in the quarantine right now. Like, he's gone through everybody. And, uh, you know, Kenonia's just fought Sean O'Malley and uh, fought one of the most hype prospects in the game. I will say that from a, from the eye test, right? I don't really think that Canonez is all that good um, in 135 pound division. I think that he's a better striker than what he gets credit for. Maybe that's because uh, you know people just saw Sean O'Malley just go right through him. Um, but he does like to kind of take his opponents down as well. You saw it in the Carlos Watson fight; um, he takes his opponents down. But guess what? Luis Smolka is is really good when it comes to jujitsu uh, and he's also fa- uh, fallen in love with his hands and Luis Smolka has some great combinations very aggress- aggressive was really investing in a lot of body shots against Casey Kenny um you know and, and I, I like Luis Smolka here man I, I think that this matchup like you said you know one person slips up they can get caught in the guillotine but uh you know he got a finish over Ryan McDonald with his hands I think that he's the more well-rounded fighter here, man. And if he wants to take Quinonez down, he can. Has an 88% finish rate. 8,400 for a guy that I really like. Sign me up. Next up, we got a female matchup. Marcos plus 155. Murata minus 175. 7,600 for Marcos. Murata 8,600 over on FanDuel. $14 for Marcos. $18 for Murata. Minus 310. Go the distance. Man. Well, I mean, there's kind of a rule that I've I've started to develop, and it's whenever Randall Marcos is fighting, don't roster her or her opponent because she's so she's so unorthodox that she throws off a lot of fighters. Uh, she she has her hands extremely low, and her hands are extremely low so that her punches come from odd angles, but also that she can so she can defend takedowns quite easily by getting underhooks. It's quite ingenious if you think about it of keeping your hands low. So as soon as somebody shoots in on you, you automatically have underhooks. Um, I will say that Rana Marcos in the UFC doesn't have the best takedown defense. She comes in at 58%, 40% finish rate, you know, has really liked her boxing and in some situations has gone the takedown uh, route as well. The problem in this situation is Murata is a, uh, is a, is a world champion in wrestling and uh, she has meddled. Kanako Murata is legit. She has some incredible wrestling. And I think that she could honestly send Rana Marcos flying and, uh, you know, take her down quite a bit. The problem here is UFC jitters. How does she respond to, you know, her debut going up against Rana Marcos, who has 15 UFC fights, six, eight, and one is her record overall, which is quite the experience edge over Murata, despite Murata's clear skill advantage. Like Murata can take her down. Um, but the one thing I'll say is, is from the fight film, Murata gets put into bad positions submission wise. And when somebody has so much UFC experience and Rana Marcos, you have to be a little careful, but it's just a fight for me that I'm probably going to avoid. I do think that uh, Murata gets the victory here, but at 8,600, does she pay off her price tag? Even if she gets a ton of takedowns, most likely not. 
All right, so we played this game, worst UFC loss. So let's play this with Ron Marcos. Okay. This one's difficult. Okay. Jessica Penne, Carolina Kovacavich, Courtney Casey, Alex Grosso, Nina Ansaroff, Claudia Gadelia, Amanda Rebus, Mackenzie Dern. Probably Kovacavich, I guess. Hindsight 2020, right? Who's fought for the UFC title? I know. It's crazy because that girl really has not, you know, developed like a lot of people thought. And you look at her wins in the UFC, Ashley Yoder, Juliana Lima, Angela Hill, Carlos Sparza, Jocelyn Jones, Lai Barger, and Ashlyn Daly. Carlos Sparza. It's crazy. Brandon Marcos is the epitome of MMA math just not working out. Like, if you wanna, you ever want to try MMA math, go look at Brandon Marcos' record, and then you don't understand how crazy this sport is and how that, that dynamic just doesn't work. Well, and of course, she had this run to the UFC until her last fight. Win loss, yeah. win loss, win loss, win loss, and then of course her last fight, you know, she says all Liam to the fight. I am not going to grapple Mackenzie Dern. What happens? Yeah, so so that's the thing, right? In that matchup, fight IQ is an issue. Like it really was, right? It it should have been like the you know the mat was hot lava. Don't go on the mat with with Mackenzie Dern. And what do you do? You 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 know maybe it's not that bad, you know. And then next thing you know, you get submitted. You know, curiosity killed the cat, and I think that's what happened in that situation. Um, I think Rana Marcos, if she tries to engage in a clinch fest with Murata, she's going to get, you know, tossed and, you know, work on the mat. She goes for a head and arm quite a bit, but I think Murata's going to be too wise for it. Why do I feel like old Pops has said that that line to you? <laughs> he act like that mat is hot lava. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. All the time. That that is That is definitely one of his sayings. I mean, I saw that video put on IG, man. Uh, I'm I'm fearful your pops walks into the gym and sees what you put on IG. <laughs> he might make you pay for putting that video up. Uh, no, no, no. He knows. He knows. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. If you're not following Pete on IG, you got to do that at Pete the Heat MMA. Of course, uh, next up, let's talk about uh, Geraldo DeFreyes Jr. Taking on Tony Gravely. Gravely minus 150 betting favorite here. Plus 130 for Freyus on the other side. 7500 for Freyus on DK. 8700 for Gravely. $13 for DeFreitas and $18 for Gravely. And this is minus 195 to go the distance. Man, let me tell you, they are giving so much respect to Tony Gravely here. Uh, comes in 8700 19 and 6 overall. So maybe that's perhaps why the line is what it is. Uh, you know, he has the experience edge. But let me tell you, DeFreitas has the UFC edge. As far as UFC experience, granted, it's only one fight more, but DeFreitas has actually looked pretty damn good in the UFC and arguably should be 2-0. and um, You know, coming off of his split decision loss to Chris Gutierrez, a lot of people thought he won that. It was very, very close. Um, he had a nice dominant win over Felipe Colares. I think they got the salaries wrong on this. I really do. And I've been, I sound like a broken record this week. Um, the value this week is... Absolutely crazy. I think DeFreitas from Fight Film was one of my favorite, one of my favorite plays because I think that Gravely has a an extensive striking background, but an extensive wrestling background. His jujitsu de- defensive techniques, though, he, he has like a, you know some mental lapses a little bit. Even on the regional scene, I've seen him caught in some arm bars, and you know he slammed his way out of it, and slams work regionally. Usually they don't really work on, on the highest level. And uh, against a guy who is seems like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu phenom, I mean, 
there are some guys that have great Brazilian jiu-jitsu accolades and it doesn't really translate well to the cage. Whereas now I think like Defreitas' ground game, he's not afraid for, to even get taken down because he's so confident that he can create a, a scramble. This fight has scramble city all over it, like all over it. It's all going to be about who gets the better position. Gravely has the power advantage. Um, I, I will say that Defreitas has the uh, aggressive and um, the pace advantage here. So we'll have to see, but man, 7,500 for a guy that seems like he can just, you know, get on your back like a backpack so quickly and work towards submission wins and, tra- you know, transitions and advances. I like Defreitas quite a bit, Jason. And Gravely now training at American Top Team down in Coconut yeah. Creek. That's something to uh, think about when you're thinking about that fight. Uh, before we get into the final fight, do want to let you know, if uh, you do not have a chance to watch us live on YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, wherever you like to uh, watch us, this show is available a part of the Awesomeo Podcast Network. Just go to awesomeo.com. You'll see the uh, podcast network link there at the top, show you where you can listen to this show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to like and leave a five-star review in order to be entered into a monthly draw for a free Platinum Plus subscription. Make sure you leave your Twitter handle or Awesomeo username so we can contact you. Also, you got to take advantage of that promo we got going on right now over at awesomeo.com. Use the promo code AUGUSTA to get 50% off an Awesomeo Plus Platinum Weekly Pass. That's promo code AUGUSTA. That promo is good through Friday, November the 13th. And, of course, uh, the final fight we're going to talk about, Dante Mays versus Roque Martinez. Dante Mays, 9,700 for Martinez on DK. Uh, Dante Mays, a minus 230 betting favorite. Uh, Martinez, plus plus 190 over on FanDuel. $20 for Mays, $10 for Martinez. And this one's plus 145. I guess the question ultimately is with this one is, do you trust Dante Mays enough to pay 9000 on DK for him? The question is, who can you trust more? Because um, we've seen them both really disappoint us. I mean, I shouldn't say that Rocky Martinez disappointed us because he went up against my boy Romanov. So we kind of knew that was going to happen. But Dante Mays, 9000 9, man, quite a hefty price tag for possibly one of the biggest liabilities you know, as far as DFS, like the guy has just not performed in the UFC. He's 0-2 in the UFC, um, looking for his first victory. And, uh, you know, he did have two victories on the Contender Series, one over Mitchell Seep, uh, ground and pound round two, and then a victory over Ricardo Purcell, round one, round and pound. So uh, the guy's aggressive and he has great hands, but I will say that Rocky Martinez is no slouch. And I know I sound like a broken record, but I like Rocky Martinez. I really do. And uh, I don't trust him. Definitely don't trust him. I will say that, you know, similar to Reese McKee, you can't hold a one performance over their head. Reese McKee fought Hamza Shimaev. You know, uh, Rocky Martinez fought my boy Romanov. Quite similar in my opinion. I think Rocky Martinez... He's very durable. That's the one thing that I'll say. He's more durable than Dante Mays, in my opinion. Martinez doesn't look like he knows how to fight, has a huge reach disadvantage in this matchup. Huge. Nine-inch reach disadvantage. Um, You talk about an eight-inch height disadvantage. So how does he deal with the height? If Dante Mays stays on the outside and just jabs him, 
he should be fine. Jabs and low kicks. But I will say that Rocky Martinez has fought some of the biggest guys out there. He gets inside, he makes fights ugly, and he works towards takedowns when things do get ugly. A lot of people don't realize that he has a solid BJJ background as well, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. So I think that Rocky Martinez can shock a lot of people. And despite facing a you know a skyscraper in Dante Mays, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna have some exposure to Martinez. I I, I definitely will. How about plus eight hundred for Martinez to win by submission? I don't see. I don't know. I, it's crazy. They both have seventy percent finish rates. Um, definitely could happen because let me tell you, Dante Mays. I just don't think he's good. I just don't think he's good. I really don't. Um, I don't. I don't really think that Rocky Martinez is is all that good either. But I do know that he's durable, and uh, I've seen him in some tough fights. Uh, I've seen him get hit, get dropped, get hurt, and still try to fight on. So uh, give me the more durable guy that seems like he can take a beating and uh, work possibly towards a finish. Uh, Martinez plus 500 to win by uh, TKO KO. Interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I think that this, this matchup looks like – it looks like chaos, and I wonder if you really need this matchup. I feel like you might. Yeah, yeah. It's uh... – Man, that's 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 one of those I, I tough to trust either one uh, in terms of that. Before we get to some listener questions, before we get out of here for the PGA guys to take over, let's go our straight up picks: Felder RDA, RDA, yeah, RDA. I, I got to go with the brain here, but uh, you know, okay, so, yeah. So so brain RDA. I'm not rooting for RDA at all, yeah. but uh, I'm hoping Felder pulls it off. Uh, give me Al Hassan against uh, Chaos Williams. Al Hassan, yep. Um, Marquez against Safarov. Marquez, ugly fight. I like Kay Hansen against uh, McKenna. Give me McKenna. Give me Anders against Arroyo. Anders. Strickland Allen. This is an interesting one. Strickland. I'm going to go Strickland as well. I think he keeps the fight on the feet. Uh, Yoder Granger. Give me the underdog and Ashley Yoder. Same. Yoder. Uh, Morono, Rise McKee. Reese McKee for me. I'm going to go McKee as well. Oh! Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Quinones and Smolka. Give me Smolka. Give me Quinones. Wow. How? How do you think he gets it done? Decision. Okay. Uh, Ronda Marcos against uh, Murata. I'm going to give me, give me Murata with the takedowns. I hate Ben against Ronda Marcos because she always does something. Give me Murata, though. Uh, Gravely Defreitas. Defreitas. Gravely for me. And uh, Dante Mays Roque Martinez. Martinez for me. I have more faith in Dante Mays, but I don't know how many lineups I'll have him in, 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 uh, in, in, in DFS. Uh, get some questions in before we get out of here. Um, let's see here. Locks of the card. Zero. Um, not a card to even throw that L word out there. There's no Romanov. There's no nothing. Every single person okay. has the one I would have the most confidence in. I know who you're gonna say. Who Who do you think I'm saying? Marquez. Okay, maybe you're right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I would. I, I would agree with that though. Yeah. Um. I know YouTube's been having some issues, but I'll look at the YouTube chat to see uh, if anyone did place a question here. Um, 
I, I know we get this question all the time. Single entry. How, how do you how do you build your single entry uh, roster? Find one person that you have absolute faith in. Do you have absolute faith in Dos Anjos? Do you have absolute faith in Al Hassan riding the ship? Do you think 9,400 for Marquez is appropriate? Because he's probably fighting one of the worst fighters on the card. Um, you know, it's finding that that one stud, so to speak, and then uh, figuring out the rest of your card. Kind of like a high, middle, and a low approach. Uh, over on Twitch, uh, Ross LeBaron says, which underdog has the highest upside? Well, let me go down. Felder, I would say, it would be the easy answer if he wins at 7,400. Felder, yeah. Um, I do think the person that has the highest upside would have to be Brennan Allen. Yeah. Just on how he, how he fights, how he scores, how he goes for it. I just, I think he's going to have a very hard time taking down Strickland who, uh, you know, I think he's going to be wise to it. And I mentioned this at the beginning of the show in the last 33 UFC fights, favorites have won 29 of the 33 fights. And I got what I picked like seven underdogs and, and this th- card. And think about this. Two underdogs came in in the main event and co-main event last week. So that number was 29 and two in the previous 31 before those two fights. Yeah, that's crazy. And, uh, you know, if, if, if it goes, well, how I'm predicting is going to be like six, six underdogs or seven, however it is, you know, smashing this week. I know the easy answer is RDA. Yep. What favorite has the highest upside outside of RDA? Mm. Like I want to say Al Hassan because yeah. if he wins in the first round, my my concern would be he wins in like sixty seconds. Yeah, um, I honestly think that's it. I think it's Al Hassan, truthfully. All right, so we've got uh, twelve fights. I'm setting the number at five and a half under. Whoa, you're going under five and a half on fights that they get stoppages? Yeah, under. Well, you got you got three fights that are approaching you know minus three hundred money in terms of going the distance. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised you set that line. I thought you were gonna say like three and a half or something. <laughs> That's twelve fights, you know. I mean look, and this is a fight card that doesn't get me excited about this card. But you know, maybe this is a card that you know we're we're gonna sit and watch this on Saturday, and it uh it, it over delivers, and you know for the people that are not watching, I say, man, you missed out on a really great card. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, I love it when the cards, usually the cards that look terrible on paper, oh, you know, usually overperform and blow you out, like blow you away. I hope that's the case for this one. Yeah, well, but of course, uh, we'll be back on Saturday live before lock. 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Lock is 4 p.m. Eastern Time. So we will follow on the contrary on Saturday afternoon. So keep it locked here to awesome.com. Coming up after us is the PGA Show. They'll get you ready for tomorrow's NAS- or tomorrow's Masters Contest. Of course, there's some big contests out there over on DraftKings. So be sure to keep it locked here at awesome.com. That is going to do it for the 
MMA DFS strategy shows. Always appreciate everyone tuning in here, whether you watch us live or after the fact. Of course, as always, be sure to hit that thumbs up button.